Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. This vid video show and podcast is produced with the support of CIO.com and the digital media division of Foundry, an IDG company. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and to our CIO channel on YouTube. Our viewers are most cordially invited today to join in the conversation we're about to have by submitting questions of your own right in the chat fields on YouTube or LinkedIn. Our editors are watching those chat streams and will pass along the best questions for me to pass along to my guest who today I'm very pleased and honored to have visiting us is Juan Perez. He is the Executive Vice President and CIO of Salesforce. He joined Salesforce in April of 2022 to lead the global IT organization and the company's internal digital transformation work. Juan is also in charge of integrating new acquisitions across the Salesforce ecosystem and of driving global operational efficiencies across a big array of technologies, everything from analytics and automation and AI to cybersecurity. Salesforce is, of course, well known in our industry. They are a tech industry giant founded in 1999 in San Francisco. The company is now a $33 billion cloud-based provider of what is being called the number one AI CRM platform in the world. More than 150,000 businesses use Salesforce's customer relationship management products which are currently holding a nearly 24% share of the entire global CRM market. Now, before he joined Salesforce, Juan was extremely well-known in our industry. He was the Chief Information and Engineering Officer for UPS, where he managed a $6 billion budget supporting all of the technology and engineering functions at one of the world's largest logistics and package delivery companies. Juan spent 32 years of his very impressive career with UPS. He became the CIO in 2015, and he was always a driving force behind the adoption of advanced analytics, AI, and many other leading edge technologies, such as virtual reality solutions for driver training. His impressive range of commercial, operational, and technological expertise led the Hershey Company to appoint him in 2019 to its public board of directors, where he now chairs the governance committee. Juan, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. Good afternoon, Mary Fran. What, a, what an honor it is for me to be with you today. And, uh, you know, I want to start by thanking you for doing this for the CIO community, for bringing CIOs, technology leaders of many industries, many companies out there to actually share their experiences and their perspectives. We all learn from, from one another and this is great. Well, and, and it is really an honor for me to be providing it because I just, I've never found it I've never found talking to anyone beyond CIOs to be any more interesting. You all have <laughs> such great stories to tell. And um, of all the stories that you've been telling in recent interviews, Juan, I especially enjoy the one about your one-day retirement. You were at UPS for 32 years and you retired. Nick got announced. You spent 24 whole hours relaxing and kicking back before you started your next huge new role there at Salesforce. I was just wondering in that 24 hours, did you pick up any new hobbies? I will tell you it was the greatest day off ever. 
<laughs> Don't you wish you'd had like a whole week maybe between huge uh, jobs? Well, if, if, if I would have had a full week, probably I wouldn't be speaking with you today. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> you'd be off. So you'd be somewhere on your yacht, maybe, you know, enjoying you the life go. with the grandchildren. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. But it's great to be here. Yes. Well, tell us about, let's start out about what was it that enticed you to join Salesforce? Uh, it's a, even at 33 billion, the company is about a third the size of UPS. So although it doesn't sound like it, you actually went to work for a much smaller company in an entirely different industry. So what? tell us about what the allure was. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Mary Fran, I had just a, a phenomenal career with UPS and I feel really fortunate uh, that I spent 32 years of my life working for such a great company, an iconic company that does so much good for for the world. Yeah. You know, people sometimes don't realize that, you know, moving something from point A to point B may seem like the simplest of things to do, yeah. but it's vital. And to making sure that uh, everything gets at the, to the right place, at the right time, to the right person, in the right condition, but at scale, it's an yes. incredible problem that requires technology, right? It requires processes. It requires engineering. It requires a lot of know-how to do it the way that UPS does. So for me to work in that company for all those years and to be able to learn about all those principles and practices was truly an incredible opportunity that I will be forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. now, well, and I think during the pandemic, the whole world suddenly all of us regular people out in the world got very familiar with how important the supply chain was and oh my goodness logistics yes. and supply chain become they were like the catchwords for all of a sudden you know you you never think about where the uh, the store shelves that's stocking all your toilet paper and your paper towels <laughs> where that stuff is coming from um and you were there you were there during the pandemic mm -hmm. and stayed for two years after that by the time yes. you left in 22, um, talk about some of the lessons learned in the supply chain and in managing that trans that transition through the pandemic, maybe things that you've brought with you to Salesforce today. And, and, and that's a really, really good point. So uh, to, to your previous question, at the end of the day, you know, Salesforce was looking for for a CIO that who had who had really worked in a company that had a large scale. Mm -hmm. Large-scale problems, large-scale technology needs, large-scale technology modernization, uh, large-scale uh, technology transformation, and, and overall company transformation. And uh, I give Salesforce an enormous amount of credit for wanting to really set up its IT organization uh, in a way that can actually support incredible growth for the company in the years to come. Mm -hmm. uh, the company has done very well IT. I was fortunate to come into an organization that had a really solid IT group, but now it was time to really be thinking about scalability and the ability to implement technologies to efficiently run the company and truly mature the company into an organization that can provide great technology for our customers, which is what we do as part of being the number one AI CRM. Mm -hmm. But Mary Fran simultaneously running the company as a well-oiled machine, which is what UPS does so well. Yes. And to your point, you know, I learned so many things during the pandemic, um, but I learned things that I kind of already knew about UPS. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that I knew was that, my goodness, UPS has just incredible people. But when challenges come about, people yeah. truly rally behind those challenges. Think about it. When everybody went home, what were the UPSers doing? They were coming to buildings. They were yeah. driving their trucks. They were making deliveries. They were making sure that all of us continued to live, to live our lives to the best in the best possible way under very difficult circumstances. So I learned about resiliency in, in the people in the company. I also learned about, you know, something that UPS executes so well every year. You know, we are actually, UPS is actually in the middle of its peak season now. It's almost course, Christmas time. Of course, right? Christmas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, UPS had actually to run Christmas in May. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> Think about it, right? Suddenly, yes. all these packages start showing up and uh, the organization needed to scale quickly. And so I, I was actually able to see how effectively we scale to be able to support the needs and the demands of our customers during some very difficult times. Mm-hmm. And now here at Salesforce, I bring some of those experiences, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, when you go through those really difficult circumstances, you come to a company like Salesforce, now you're in a position to share those experiences to actually help our teams here believe that they can do anything when it comes to supporting technology for the enterprise yeah. and also being in a position to scale rapidly to support great growth. It's exciting. Well, and I know in, in previous interviews that I've read uh, that you've done or in times that we've talked in the past, the word integrity of the employee, the integrity of the company and the company culture often came up. I mean, the same is true of our mutual friend, Rob Carter at FedEx. You know, there are people, especially if you've spent 32 years with a company, it's because, you know, you, you, you're a lifer for a reason. Uh, it's mm-hmm. It's just there's something about the company that really resonates with you. You went, though, from UPS to a tech industry company. And in general, I wouldn't say that tech industry companies are known for that, for keeping people engaged and for having cultures that are so supportive. What did you what were your concerns about that coming into Salesforce? And what did you find when you got there about what the culture was like and whether you could expect and find that same level of devotion to the mission that you had at UPS? What a great question, Mary Fran. I, I will tell you that uh, I had a preview into Salesforce's culture when I was a customer of Salesforce at UPS. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to interact with people who uh, truly demonstrated to me how much they appreciated and uh, believed in the, the, the customer's success. Mm-hmm. Uh, they truly prioritized me as a customer. At least I felt that way in all of my interactions with the company. Uh, you know, for, for the longest time as a CIO, and I'm sure that many CIOs listening to your theories here would agree with me, you know, you get exposed to a number of vendors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point in time, you need to really distinguish between who is a vendor, but who's also a partner. Partner, yes. Heard that a lot. Absolutely the case. And and, uh-huh. and for me, you know, I, I've said the story many times. Um, I probably can count the partners with one hand. Yes. Yep. Uh, but the vendors are many, right? They come yeah. and show up when they want to sell me something. But, uh, you know, the partners are there really looking for, you know, how they can help me be successful in addressing the big problems and issues that we may be facing mm-hmm. at any given point. I really felt that connection with Salesforce. I felt that they were a partner. And now that I've been in the company for some time, 
you know, I've come to see how the company uh, truly um, lives to its to to the the full potential of its values. And I give all the credit in the world to the founder of the company, Mark Benioff, who is incredibly passionate, uh, you know, about the company, what the company stands for, giving back to the community, supporting mm-hmm. the communities that we that we live and work and support every single day. And very importantly, making sure that customer success is constantly a top priority. So when I think about the values of uh, Salesforce, they they really align well with the values that I carried throughout 32 years at UPS. Mm-hmm. Customer success is one. Uh, innovation is another one. Trust, which is the number one value for the company, by the way. Yeah. Trust is at the top of absolutely everything. I think of trust as the whole notion of integrity. And I think about it, which was a huge value, is a huge value at UPS. And the second one at UPS that I carried in my heart for my entire career was the whole notion of excellence. So mm-hmm. the founder of UPS used to talk about integrity and excellence in all we do. I believed in that since the first day that I joined UPS over yeah. 34 years ago now. Today, I see Salesforce with trust as the top value, customer success as the second one. Those two are just like integrity and excellence. Yeah. And it's really carried me here well through through uh, the, the, the almost two years that I've been with the company. Well, good. And I want to talk about some, kind of your set of priorities coming in. But before we move on, you mentioned Mark. And of course, he's one of the very well-known figures in our industry, in the tech industry. Um, this is the first time you've been working directly with a company founder. And, uh, and that is something that has resonated with you. Uh, talk a little bit about that, about why, wh- what you're learning working with a company founder uh, in the here and now. You know, you're not just reading a, a book of his recollections from 1999. He's still there. Uh, it is it is in, an incredible experience, especially for someone who has taken a company from zero mm-hmm. to what the company is today. You know, and, and Mary Fran, I, I, I used to say it before, you know, when I was at UPS, if I would have had a chance to meet someone that, uh, that was instrumental in building the company that UPS is today, you know, mm-hmm. there were two names that always came to mind. One was Jim Casey, the founder of the company back in 1907. And the second one was George Smith, who was the founder or the builder of the engineering discipline at UPS. Yeah. Um, and I always wondered how, how, how would they describe, you know, what they did, how they lived their lives, how they lived their values in the company to build the company that UPS is today, mm-hmm. a massive company, half, you know, 500,000 employees all around the world yeah. doing amazing things to support customers. Well, now I get a chance to see that firsthand here with, uh, with Mark Benioff and Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And I have seen some really interesting characteristics in him that I believe were the same ones that Jim Casey carried when he built UPS to the company that it is today. Okay. The first one is just incredible passion for the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark is incredibly passionate about what Salesforce does, what Salesforce stands for, and what Salesforce brings to its customers. Mm-hmm. The second one is this constant drive for innovation, for bringing the next better solution so that the customers can get what they need, can get the right solution to support solving their problems. The next one is just this incredible uh, desire to help the people in the company, to help every employee be successful. Okay. Uh, 
I feel that Jim Casey at UPS felt that way, that the UPSers were core to his success and he wanted them to be successful in all they did. And the last one that I would say, which uh, it's common also in, in my two experiences with these two great companies, is this drive towards helping customers succeed and putting always the customer first as you're making business decisions every day. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's now let's pivot over to some of those priorities that you're, they didn't bring you in just to be a figurehead. They actually had, they actually have work for you to do there. And some of the things you had mentioned was helping the company modernize its priorities, making IT more relevant at Salesforce. And when, when we were talking earlier and you were listing some of those bullet points for me, that one brought me up a little short, making IT relevant. How could IT not be incredibly relevant at a company that is essentially an IT product? So talk to me about what you found when you got there for an IT department that, because again, the focus on customers does not necessarily mean you're looking into the best way to run the technology organization. And of course they've been doing a good enough job, but what did you find that needed to be changed or upgraded in terms of giving IT more of a strategic role in Salesforce as it grows? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really interesting because I, I came from a company where, you know, IT played a, a vital role in, in running the company every single day. You know, today I, I, I would very easily say that, uh, you know, a package cannot be delivered at UPS without technology. It's, okay, it's just fair enough. that simple, mm -hmm. right? So obviously technology plays an important role and the company, you know, now almost two years after I left continues to do amazing things in creating and building technology solutions to support uh, the customers of, uh, of UPS. Well, here at Salesforce, it was really fascinating to me to see, uh, to be in a technology company, although I always consider to see UPS, I, I always consider UPS as a technology company. And I always believe that UPS uh, was truly a technology company. The IT department was the technology provider, right? The yes, technology exactly. builder. Yeah. Well, here at Salesforce, we have an entire group that does just a phenomenal job building technology to support our customers. Yeah. You know, the, the sales cloud product, the service cloud product, the support mm -hmm. for Tableau and Slack and Commerce Cloud. I mean, that's what we sell to our customers. And it has to be a really good product since our customers are hugely dependent on the technologies that Salesforce puts in front of them. So uh, I came to, to an organization where that, in my view, and rightfully so, has been the priority for the 25 years that the company has been uh, around. Mm -hmm. That needed to be the case. But uh, coming in, I think I, I saw IT uh, kind of like, hey, it's one of those things that has to be there, right? Sure. And it's not necessarily viewed as a strategic asset, to your point. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really have been uh, very diligent at uh, trying to, to, to really see, show that IT, um, we call it business technology at Salesforce, which I love the term, by the way. Good. Okay. That, mm -hmm. that business technology is relevant. It's important. It should be viewed as a strategic asset. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that business technology has an incredibly important mission to be customer zero for Salesforce. Okay. Where all the products and technologies that Salesforce builds and delivers, Mary Fran, are used by Salesforce, IT, BT, 
to support the organization. It's a beautiful model. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's one that will continue to evolve and grow so that we can use our technologies to make better products for our customers. Okay. And that, uh, that serving as customer zero, is it seems like almost a natural state for an IT organization at a, you know, a world-renowned tech vendor to be into. When you look back over the last year and a half, what have you accomplished toward that goal so far? And what are your next steps in it? You know, uh, I'll tell you a couple of things that are, I think have been really important. And, and I sure hope that uh, this continues for the years to come. Mm-hmm. One is that the CIO role is now considered one of the, the, the critical roles in the company. Okay. Um, another one is the fact that the CIO role is uh, a member of the executive leadership team of the organization. Um, that means that the CIO truly has a seat at the table. Yes. Uh, what we've also been able to do is expand the role of the CIO, which I believe that CIOs, you know, sometimes we think about CIOs as the technology folks, right? But uh, I truly believe, I've always felt this way, by the way, Mary Friend, that first and foremost, CIOs are business leaders. Yes. And then right after that is the technology leadership that CIOs bring to the table. Well, now see the CIO at Salesforce has that seat at the table, but also the role has expanded. The data and analytics uh, function is under the CIO umbrella in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, da- data for a company like Salesforce is as important as data for any company that is actually, you know, folks who are listening to, uh, to the call today, data mm-hmm. is critical in every single company or organization out there. Uh, We've expanded the role so that the CIO also has uh, some business uh, responsibilities like running global business services. And and also the CIO organization has been charged with driving operational excellence across the enterprise. Mm -hmm. So if we do those few things well, business technology, data and analytics, global business services, and operational excellence in the organization, my goodness, we are going to generate so much value for Salesforce that uh, I think uh, we're going to be in a really good path for many years to come. Okay. And the and I remember when we, we were talking earlier and you said we want to ultimately run all of Salesforce's business on Salesforce. And I was surprised that it wasn't already doing that. Is that, do you think, is that a, a commonplace finding you think at any big technology company in the industry where they're 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 product organizations and they're out there selling products to the the entire IT universe but they, and I guess I'm thinking of the shoemaker's children you know the ones who, <laughs> or, where they don't get the best shoes because well that that's their job <laughs> well you know it's interesting obviously that our products continue to evolve Mm-hmm. So as they continue to evolve, it gives us an opportunity to bring those products into our own organization. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and there are a number of technologies that we're not into. You know, okay. we, we're not an ERP uh, provider. So That's we right. have to have ERP solutions. Uh, we are not a, a human resource management system provider. So we have to have uh, an HR management system for the company. Right. So we have to have those solutions in place and simultaneously, you know, I I have the, the obligation and the responsibility as the CIO of the company to continue to drive the implementation of Salesforce technologies in our company. And I'll give you one example. I think you'll appreciate this one. 
Good. You know, uh, uh, we, uh, I am really committed to using Slack, which is one of those uh, Salesforce products to mm-hmm. run the IT organization. And uh, my team has been very active in building an IT management platform all mm-hmm. on Slack. And I have this commitment in, you know, that I have made to myself and, and to my company that um, the, uh, the BT organization will be managing all of its business on the Slack platform. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. All communications, incident management, security alerts, um, project management, mm-hmm. project updates, uh, people-related uh, items, approvals of all kinds, all that will flow through our Slack platform. And we're getting there. I'm really excited as to where this is going. Interesting. Well, and I, I know you had mentioned uh, also that essentially the CIO is really a chief product officer. I mean, not just in tech industry companies, but pretty much I've had that kind of interview with people in a variety of other industries as well. How is, do you see your role as that, as a chief product officer? I, I Because you have the IT backing or the IT underpinning for all the product organization under your responsibilities, yes? So the, the actual product that, uh, that Salesforce builds for our customers is managed under a separate product group. Okay. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, you bring up a really good point. And I think, uh, you know, if, if, if speaking with, with my fellow CIOs, I think we all carry that, that other alternate hat, right? I mean, we, we actually have many hats that we use at different times. You <laughs> yes. know, we, yes. we carry the, the hat of the, uh, the chief security officer. We carry yeah. the hat of the chief information officer. We uh, sometimes have to be the, uh, the chief common sense officer. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes people will say, hey, well, you happen to be the chief no officer <laughs> because you uh, have to say no to the way certain things yep. get managed. I do think that from time to time, we also carry the hat of our chief product officer in the sense mm-hmm. that, think about it, Mary friend, in my IT organization, I, you know, we manage a large variety of uh, products, you know, mm-hmm. products that we use to run the enterprise. And that's why... You know, we, uh, as we transformed the entire BT organization, uh, we uh, paid a lot of attention to refining our product management approach within BT. Mm-hmm. And today, the structure that we use to manage all technology across the BT uh, group is product-based. And okay. uh, I'm so fortunate to have just such a great, and I should, I should have said this from the start, you know, the, as a CIO, I cannot do anything myself. I am supported by just an amazing group of IT professionals mm-hmm. in, in my group. And uh, they truly embrace the whole notion of product management, product ownership. Yeah. And it's really having uh, making a difference in the way we manage technology in the group. Tell, uh, let's dive into that a little bit more about the structure of the IT organization now versus two to three years ago. What looks different? What sort of things have you instituted that are unique to the Juan Perez approach to um, managing a, a great techno, a business technology function? Tell us about kind of just some of the details of how you have it structured. You know, um, before being an IT an IT guy, I will tell you, I, I'm a process guy. You you were an engineer, yeah. You you got it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I spent a large a large portion of my career, Mary Fran, and you know, as an engineer in the company, looking for process improvement. 
okay. because at, at a company like UPS, every second counts, every minute counts, every mile counts. You know, I tell the story all the time that, uh, you know, when, when UPS, through technology, by the way, saves uh, a mile driven by UPS drivers in the U.S., across all drivers, one mile a day in the course of a year, I don't know what the number may look like now, but, you know, in the time that I was there, it actually was over $60 million in savings in any given year. One mile. So, one mile. Okay. So, it's a, it's a business of details. And I believe that in technology, as technologists, as CIOs, uh, we manage a business of details. Details yeah. matter. Now, uh, details come into play when you're actually looking at an end-to-end process. Um, you know, and processes, it's so easy to, to bypass processes because you think you can do it faster. It's so easy to bypass the details because you don't think they're important to get to the, to the outcomes that you're looking for. But in the end, processes have a number of inefficiencies, duplication, excess. Well, what I have uh, learned uh, from my process management perspectives in, of many years now in IT is that process matters. And when you manage technology in a way where the management technolo- of technology is fragmented, when you don't have clear ownership as to who is responsible, accountable, directly, directly accountable for, when you don't have clarity, when there's a time of incident or when there's an issue, when there's a problem, as to who is going to ultimately respond to the incident, the issue, and get it solved, it really causes confusion, it causes delays, and it causes negative business outcomes. And I am not for any of that. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, the, the, the primary thing that I was focused on, this is mm-hmm. back uh, in, in, you know, the early days when I started with the, uh, with the company, is to do the same thing that I did with UPS, which was, hey, let's go through a, an IT transformation effort here. Let's understand where we have duplication of roles, where we don't have clarity of roles, when we mm-hmm. have multiple handoffs that create questions, issues, problems, and let's clean that up. Because here's one thing I will tell you, and I am convinced about this after all these years I've been in business. What is good today may not be good tomorrow. And I certainly hope that the next CIO that uh, takes over my roles and responsibilities here at Salesforce, you know, takes whatever we did and makes it 10 times better. Yeah. Because in the world that we live in, you know, there's constant change. And if you don't keep improving your processes, the way you manage technology, you'll end up in a really ugly place. Okay. Well, I know that one of the things you mentioned when I asked you this question as we were getting ready for this interview was that you took a look at the way the enterprise architecture group was put together and there was a certain amount of consolidation there. I mean, that sounds right in line with what you just said about how you've got to have, what is it the CIOs often call it the one throat to choke, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> knowing how to go, who to go through. So you have a product, a product model approach inside of the business technology organization. Um, of course, product support is part of that. I'm sure there's engineering teams, product managers. Is there one biggest change that you made when you look back over the last year and a half that is working out really well, or maybe you're still tinkering with it? You know, you, you mentioned architecture. Um, mm-hmm. I think every CIO on, on, on the call would tell you that, uh, you know, if you want to deploy good technology, you have you have to have good architecture. Yes. Um, 
Uh, I was really fortunate to work with just uh, amazing architects at UPS. Um, and here at Salesforce, we just have an incredibly talented group of architects as well. Um, but I, you know, what I have also learned in that space is that, you know, for, for you to have really solid architectures to support the technologies that the company needs, you got to have appropriate standards. Those standards need to be documented. You have to have appropriate discipline and rigor in your review processes as to how you architect solutions and manage solutions. Mm -hmm. The architectural practice has an incredibly important responsibility in my world. I mean, I, I expect the architects to, to talk about security, talked about compliance in our solutions. Uh, with AI taking such a, 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 an important role in our company and in many, I'm expecting the architects to really learn a lot about AI and mm -hmm. ask questions and understand how the architecture that we are proposing for a solution is in a position to support AI. I expect the architects to talk about data and the approach that we have towards managing data. And of course, the basic things, right? Resiliency. I definitely want to make sure that architects are challenging uh, capacity, challenging questions related to uh, disaster recovery, business mm -hmm. continuity, those kinds of things. So you think about the, the role that architects play today, it's, it's vital, it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, the chief architect for Salesforce, uh, who, who does a great job supporting our group, he, he made a proposal to actually consolidate the entire architecture group into one primary group. Mm -hmm. There are many ways of doing this, Mary Fran. Oh, but sure. for, for us, we, we felt that it was the right time to bring them all into one group so that we could provide appropriate training, appropriate support, appropriate uh, artifacts that they could use in driving architecture decisions and create a community and a practice for architecture. I don't know if that will be the way that we'll do this forever, but it's working well for us today. And I think it's provided some good value to the market. Well, and see, I remember just a few years ago, CIOs had to talk this way about digital transformation, about being able to digitally connect with customers and the sort of things that we all take for granted now. Five years ago, the, indeed, they were creating digital transformation practices and that sort of thing, whereas now it's the ongoing work. So you're right. I mean, it all keeps essentially evolving forward that way. Let's pivot over and talk about you have um, the other, the strategic business and tech priorities going into the new year. How are you prioritizing and focusing on uh, innovation work, for instance? What are some of your, what are the top three things on your list going into 24 that you want to bring about in the business technology organization? Absolutely. You, you know, Mary Fran, I, I worked for uh, just a great CIO who, who opened incredible, many doors for me to, to really be able to do what I do today. You, you know him because you've met him before, and I'm sure you interviewed him as well, Dave Barnes. Dave Barnes he was the CIO yes. of UPS for a number of years, and I, mm -hmm. I uh, succeeded him. Um, Dave used to always, and this stayed in my mind forever, uh, Dave used to always remind us as his direct reports that, uh, you know, we were not in the business of technology for technology's sake, that every technology decision that we made needed mm -hmm. to be uh, towards supporting the company, supporting the company strategy. And I, I firmly believe in that model. It's worked well for me now for many years. And I think it's, it's critical that we keep that in perspective. 
Um, here at Salesforce, I, I'm applying the same principle. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that we we manage technology in support of our company's strategy and our company's objectives. And what are okay. our company's strategies and objectives? Well, we want to continue to provide great products and services to our customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, BT plays a key role in being customer zero. BT plays a key role in uh, making sure that we... Uh, you know, we, we provide feedback on our products so that we can continue to make them better. And we also BT plays a key role in implementing uh, the, the new technologies so that we can try them, test them, and create good use cases that our customers can use and see. AI is a perfect example. We've been implementing AI across the enterprise now uh, using Salesforce solutions uh, for, for some time, and we got more to do. Uh, so that's one, that whole notion of customer zero. Uh, the next one, Salesforce, of course, wants to continue to scale and grow and provide, create more shareholder value. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to do that in a number of ways. We got to support our business when it comes to selling our solutions. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we are advocates for our technology in front of our customers. That's a priority for me and for the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also uh, believe that it's, it's critical that uh, we continue to uh, bring in technologies to the company that help us drive more efficiency, more productivity, continue to help us uh, expand the capacity of our people. It's, you know, the way that I view productivity and efficiency, it's never been really a matter of cutting jobs and any of that. To me, you got to start with the notion of expanding the capacity of the people that, you, that you're working with. And I think technology okay. plays a key role in building and creating that capacity expansion. And think about what AI will do. My goodness, you know, what I have seen already inside of our company with the, the, the whole notion of co-pilots embedded in our, in our um, CRM solutions is now people being in a position to use AI to get answers quicker, to have a better understanding of the business and to expand their capacity in the way that they either support customers or sell to our customers or develop technology, all three okay. areas. So I want to do more of that. And of course, you know, uh, I always start with this when I go through the budgeting process, security mm-hmm. at the top of the list. We got to make yes. sure that we continue to build secure uh, technology and security solutions. And then um, the last one that I would say, Mary Fran, that goes into the, the prioritization process is you know, I truly believe in the notion of reserving budget for IT for IT. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be really difficult for me to support the company's needs if our own BT house is not in order, if we don't have the right platforms, the right technology solutions to support the business. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I've um, the idea of running uh, running the business of IT. I mean, there's that whole uh, technology business organization. Uh, I think you may even belong to that group where it's basically about the financing and the way tech budgets are managed and run. That's where I think CIOs maybe haven't patted themselves on the back enough over the years about their role with when they have their chief financial officer hats on, you know, when they're mm-hmm. looking at their own IT budgets, like the in the merciless way that CFOs look at the budgets, right? Um, I love that. Yeah. I love the, that. You know, Mary Fran, I would say, I think that's a really, a really good point that you make. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I think that the, the CIOs have really built a great discipline in managing budgets, 
it's a tough, it's a tough job. I, I tell people often that you know the CIO job is is a complicated job in many ways, and in some companies it's more complex than in others. But yeah. overall, it's a really complex role. Mm-hmm. But I tell people that for me personally, this is just Juan Perez's view of the world. The most difficult part of the CIO job is. Uh, making sure that uh, you, you you end up with a budget that supports what's most important and the most critical needs of the organization. It's not as easy as it seems. No, and I'd, I'd be the first to tell you that it does not seem easy at all. <laughs> Even talking to people about it, it seems enormously complicated. But if you have, you know, if the people that are working for you uh, believe in you, if they're all together on the mission, they have so many good ideas among them. You know, the CIOs that I think that have become legendary in, you know, like in the world of, say, CIO Magazine and CIO.com, they are the ones that are truly those business leaders that you mentioned, where they get, they inspire people to be on board. I, very much the way you have found working directly with the founder of the company to be its own form of education and inspiration, right? <laughs> um, you had mentioned too when we talked that you've done more customer engagement in the last year and a half than you would have imagined you were doing. I mean, compared to the role you had at UPS, of course. Tell us about that when you are out in the field and and you're there. And this is a this is a different side of the table for you. You're not, you know, like the CIO of a hundred billion dollar package. A company, a package delivery company, you're the CIO now of one of their vendor, hopefully a vendor partner. Um, and mm-hmm. so you're out there meeting with CIOs and with customers. What are you hearing? And uh, what are some of the issues that you bring back to work to work on within Salesforce? Because I'm sure that yes. nobody, as much as, as friendly as you are, I'm sure that they do not pull punches when they want to tell you what else you should be doing for them. So tell us about some of those encounters and what you bring back home to Salesforce from it. Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit that uh, in the early days uh, when, you know, the expectation of this job here at Salesforce is that I will engage with our customers. And it's a good expectation, by the way. It's a reasonable mm-hmm. expectation. Mm-hmm. But in the early days, my goodness, you know, I, I never did it to the degree that I do it now. Uh, just this week, by the way, just this week alone, I uh-huh. have met already with three of our customers. And, um, you know, different discussions, different yeah. reasons for those discussions. But, um, you know, I, oh my gosh, why do I need to do this? It's a distraction. I got plenty of work to do. I got to spend more time on all these other projects that are important for the group. But you know what? Now, almost two years later, I have I have been so fortunate to connect with so many CIOs in so many industries, in so many companies. And it's interesting, most times the conversations start with, you know, they want to hear my perspective on how we're implementing Salesforce. Mm-hmm. They want to hear how we're going about implementing other technologies, by the way. They want to hear yeah. you know, my, my experiences on the things that have worked and haven't worked. Um, they want to hear what we're doing with AI. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's, it, it has never failed after every single one of those conversations. I think I have gained more than, you know, personally as a professional than they have gained from me, quite frankly. You know, I have... Um, learn about them as human beings. I have learned from them as professionals. I have learned from them as people leaders. And um, they have also given me a lot of perspectives on the problems and the challenges they have. 
Mm-hmm. And it's also given me this view that, you know, some days the uh, the CIO job seems a bit lonely, right? You know, when <laughs> yes. Especially when you when there's a problem, something's broken. Everybody's yeah. a technologist until something breaks. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. When something's break, is, is broken, you're looking around and no one is right next to you. Yeah, well, who, who do I get to blame for this is what they're just, there's there's somebody exactly in IT right. that I can blame for this, yes. <laughs> it's a, that's why it's, it can be a lonely job. But I, what I've come to realize in all these interactions with many, many, many CIOs is that, you know, we all have similar problems. No matter what industry you're in, we're all, you know, yes. trying to figure out what are we going to do with AI. We, we are all trying to figure out how do we better get value from our partners and our mm-hmm. vendors. Uh, we are all trying to figure out how do we ensure that the IT organization is future-proof uh, so that we can be ready for the mm. challenges that will come into our business in the years to come. We are we are all dealing with data problems. You yep. know, I have not Security met problems. one CIO yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I haven't met one CIO yet, Mary Fran, that's told me, mm, we got the data problem figured out. We are 100% <laughs> good at managing data. Yeah. So... It really has created a forum for us to talk about these issues. And, you know, to all the fellow CIOs that I have interacted with, I'm incredibly grateful for everything that they have shared with me and everything that I've learned from them. Yeah, and you got to tell them, and don't start pulling your punches. I really want to hear what you think. I don't think you could get them to pull their punches anyway, actually. Now, the other thing, we've, we've glanced over the topic a few times, but I know from our previous conversation, I was surprised about how very enthusiastic you are about the future when we think about future proofing of AI. Now that, mm-hmm. you know, and and when you first were talking about it, I thought, well, that, you know, there's so many products at Salesforce that have AI embedded. Of course, he's got to talk it up. But you have played with, not played with, you have utilized and experimented with almost every leading edge technology, virtual reality, augmented reality, blockchain. You've done all that stuff in your engineering and CIO roles at UPS. But I was sensing a genuinely different level of, kind of faith in the future of what AI is going to bring to the industry. So I wanted you to talk, uh, most of your fellow CIOs right now are students of it. They're looking at like generative AI. How is that going to be used in business? Um, Tell us where you are with all that. And you have become something of an enthusiast uh, of that over the last two years. So tell us why. I mean, because at the at the base of it, you're still your skeptical self. You're still a CIO <laughs> who knows that technology for technology's sake is a way to spend a lot of money. So what is it about AI that has you so really enthusiastic about it? You know, it's uh, it, another great question, Mary Fran. I, I, I think about it from this perspective. You know, I, uh, I've been enthusiastic about a lot of technologies, but in the back of my mind, I've always said, well, I don't know when this is really going to be ready for for prime big time. impact, mm-hmm. right, for prime time. Yeah. You know, I, I worked with an amazing team of engineers at UPS on drone technologies, Mm-hmm. And and drone delivery, uh, UPS did just an amazing work in becoming, in essence, the first commercial drone delivery company yeah. uh, certified to do that. It never really could get expanded beyond some of the basic tests. I'm <laughs> sure that there's still work being done there, but I was excited about that technology. And I still think that it's got potential and many uses, uh, yes. but it's taken longer than expected. Same thing happened with autonomous guided vehicles. I think that we're going to see autonomous guided vehicles at some point in time. 
But all the timelines that I predicted were wrong. <laughs> you know, every single one of them. And, uh, and a lot of it has to do not even with the technology. A lot of that has to do with the, the acceptance by the public, the acceptance by government, regulations, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. We got to certainly keep that in perspective, even when it comes to AI. But uh, with AI, I feel uh, I feel a little different because AI is here. See, it is this here. Is, it's around us everywhere. You kept saying to me, "Gen AI is here to stay," and it you is here sounded, to stay. You sounded a little surprised that you were saying that. Because remember my experiences with many of these technologies that yeah. you know. I believe in them. I think they have incredible potential. I think companies need to continue to make investments in some of these new Mm -hmm. cutting-edge technologies to learn from them. But uh, they're not going to be here tomorrow. Generative AI AI is here today. Mm -hmm. And we can take advantage of generative AI in a number of areas of business. You know, I, I think about business processes Salesforce business processes, sales business processes, back office business processes, logistics business processes. Uh And my goodness, I think the numbers of times in which we have created process delays, process bottlenecks, because we haven't had the right answer at the right time, because we haven't had, you know, the ability to communicate effectively as with someone somewhere around Mm -hmm. the process. That now when we have these types of technologies, at our disposal, we now can improve on many of those process bottlenecks and process issues that have been built over time because we didn't have those types of capabilities. I think that they exist. Now, there will be challenges in implementing this technology. And and you know those, Mary Fran. I'm sure you've Mm -hmm. heard about all of these different challenges with hallucinations, toxicity. That's why Salesforce has put such a, a significant emphasis in creating trust layers to to make sure that the outputs that come from these technologies are credible, are real, are are protected, you know. But uh, so so that's still something that needs to continue to mature and grow. Uh, I think it's going to be much more complex to embed AI into into processes that don't have technology solutions that are conducive to implementing some of these technologies and new capabilities related to generative AI. Mm-hmm. I think this is not a sale job, but I will tell you just from where mm-hmm. I sit here that technologies like uh, Salesforce's technologies that have AI embedded in them and that customers are already using to support a variety of processes yeah. will be much easier for companies to implement. Well, and I've found too, as I've talked at the last couple of issues of our, our um, rather um episodes of CIO Leadership Live, I've had extensive conversations about AI and what it's going to bring and what it isn't. And a lot of it comes down to the importance of technology vendors and suppliers who really are able to partner with companies on this. Because, you know, a small pharmaceutical company based in Boston is not going to be able to develop a whole team of AI specialists. I'm thinking of them as AI nerds, but, you know, we we don't want to call anybody nerds anymore. Although I always thought it was something of a term of honor for really smart people that know a lot in depth about a particular topic. Um, They're not going to be able to build that up. It's just the same way most companies cannot have their own AI experts on staff, their own scientists, their PhDs. You have whole teams of these folks, right? Absolutely. And we continue to make investments in bringing great people with those capabilities, those skills, 
to keep enhancing our research and development group that's bringing these large language models to reality, these trust layers to reality, and these capabilities into our products. Uh, so that, you know, the, the investment is there. The technology is not imaginary. It's there. The uses are there today. We still have to see lots of uh, successes around the use of these technologies, but I think they will come. They will come. It takes time to see some of these things really yes. materialize. You know, I uh, I had the fortune to work on a, on a big project at UPS uh, related to driver routing and optimizing driver routes. And, um, you know, we had an incredibly capable and smart team working on these things. It took a long time to really perfect those technologies. Mm -hmm. The notion of optimizing a route had been in place for decades, <laughs> but to really do yes. that scale and to yeah. make it real was really complicated. It took time to get there. Mm -hmm. I think uh, with AI, it's going to get, take some time to get to the, the, the real value realization behind it in some mm -hmm. cases. In some cases, value realization will be available real quickly. But the important thing here to me, Mary Fran, is that I do believe that AI is here to stay. Well, and so putting yourself back on that other side of the table with the CIOs that are your customers, what are some great questions you would recommend that they all ask their other suppliers? I'm sure that you've been talking about this stuff with them, but there are other suppliers that are talking about all the great AI capabilities of their products. What do you recommend? What should they be asking about? Yes, absolutely. Well, we, let's start with trust, right? Remember, well, trust is a core <laughs> value in the company. Yeah. Got to really, got to really push that trust discussion. How do you make sure that the models that you're using, that the, the, the outputs that you're creating, generating from generative AI can be trusted? That discussion is critical. And I'm sure that every CIO listening to, to the session today has mm -hmm. that as a top of mind item in, in their implementation plan. The second one is, you know, what, what business problems are you trying to solve? You know, one of the biggest risks when it comes to these types of technology solutions is that you run a hundred pilots all at once. And at the end of the day, you're so deluded that you really don't know what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that in, in my experience uh, in, in UPS, you know, there were a few areas in which we put our bets on because we mm -hmm. knew that the, the price was significant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it's important to know where the best benefits will come from and not really delude your resources, your attention into so many pilots that at the end you will not know what works and what doesn't work. Uh, the other one that I think it's really important is, you know, understanding how you're going to manage AI in the enterprise. You know, we formed an AI council here at Salesforce. It's starting to really, you know, we went through the typical, the typical, um, steps, right? We went through storming, norming, forming, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we are now really getting into performing a little better. And it's important to have some level of organization around AI, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, I've used this term before. I'm, 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 really, I'm really afraid of the, the creation of shadow AI in the enterprise. This is not shadow IT, it's shadow AI. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Where what is shadow AI? Shadow AI is, you know, people around the enterprise using AI solutions uh, without any level of, I hate to use the word, but it's the best word I can think of, any level of governance that can ultimately either expose company data 
mm-hmm. or create outputs that can be damaging to the company because there was no governance around any of these. All of that still needs to be defined and all of that still needs to be figured out. Uh, so I think those are important questions to ask. And right. I do believe, to your point, I think you started with this, Mary Fran, uh, aligning yourself with the right partners, I truly believe mm-hmm. it's critical. Yes. Well, and you uh, brought up the wonderful G word, governance. You are the, and I want to pivot over in our last remaining few minutes here. I want to talk about what you have learned, how your leadership skills have deepened or expanded in your work on a public board of directors with the Hershey Mm -hmm. Company. You are the chair of the governance committee, and that is the committee that is in charge of making sure everything is running well within the board itself. And uh, so what have you learned being part of that? And why should other very busy, full-time working CIOs make sure that they look into getting a seat on a public board before they retire? Yes, absolutely. You know, the the, the person who encouraged me to join a, a board was the, the, the previous UPS CEO. Good for him, um, so smart, good. Uh, and I, I will tell you, I'm, I will be forever grateful uh, to to him, David Apney, who who actually encouraged me to join a board, mm-hmm. he felt that it would actually round me as a, as an executive, and it would give me a, a, a perspective outside the organization. Especially mm-hmm. after you spend thirty two years in the same company, right? Yeah. Um, I will tell you, Mary Fran, that uh, first of all, I think that CIOs bring incredible value to the boardroom. Not because I'm one of them and I'm on a board, but because mm-hmm. I think that the problems that companies are facing today. Uh, they definitely will benefit from the experience and the knowledge that CIOs bring to the table. Uh, secondly, I think, uh, you know, uh, when you sit on a board, you get a chance to see how a corporation truly works. Mm. Outside of the normal day-to-day, the things that you run within your company, yeah. you see at a, at, a, at a higher level how the organization works. And if you happen to be in a for-profit business, you actually get a chance to see capitalism in action. You actually get to see... It's quite a finance uh, education, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. It really gives yeah. you a chance to see how companies uh, are held accountable, mm-hmm. how companies um, are really driven towards uh, creating value for their shareholders. But you also get a chance to understand how what other stakeholders you have to support beyond just simply the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And you learn a great deal, but you also provide great value as CIOs and Whatever possible, I encourage CIOs to join uh, a public board. Not 10 public boards, you can't, no, but at least one. You could not. Yes, at least one. Um, I did a series of columns for CIO.com about this very topic. I that's I had mentioned our CIO Hall of Fame dinners uh, when we talked previously over the years. I would always, I would be sitting there and these be a, a group of CIOs about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I would say, well, what's next? What about after life as a CIO? And to a person, they always said, oh, I'd like to do work on public boards. And what I came to realize over time was that you have to start working on that, on finding that seat, on having the conversation with your CEO, on all of that approach to it way before you get to the point where you're retired, because you're an operational business executive, and that's what boards are looking for. I agree. And, and you can think think about me, Mary Fran. I spent most of my career in a logistics company. Now I'm in a technology company to now work to work with a company that 
it's in the business of making people happy. Hershey's a phenomenal company. <laughs> uh, and it's been around for longer than UPS. And yes. uh, a company that does so much good and whose objective is to support the children at the uh, Hershey School mm-hmm. is just phenomenal to me. And I feel yes. just a, a true honor to be a member of that board. Yes, it does. It has for some for-profit companies are just all about for-profit, but Hershey's has a wonderful uh, philosophical approach to what they do in terms of giving back to the community and that sort of thing. So I can see how that would be very important to Juan. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a wonderful chance to talk with you about all the work that you're doing at Salesforce. Uh, I, I guess we never did touch on whether you picked up any hobbies along the way. <laughs> While you didn't were have retired. any time. <laughs> you don't have didn't time. Have any time. <laughs> all right, great. Well, Very thanks good. so much. It was great of you to make the time and it's been a pleasure having you here today. It was my pleasure and my honor, my friend. I wish you great success, and I wish great success to all the CIOs that listen to your series. Oh, you and me both. Exactly. If you joined us late today, don't worry. You can watch the full episode of my conversation here later on LinkedIn, but also on CIO.com and on CIO's YouTube channel. Leadership Live is available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did with Juan Perez, the EVP and CIO of Salesforce. Please do take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, CIO's YouTube channel, where you can find more than 100 episodes of CIO Leadership Live and interviews of similar quality to the one that we had here today. I'll be back with you in January with a whole new slate of great conversations coming in 2024 with world-class CIOs and technology leaders. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a wonderful holiday.